0: How's it going, everybody? So good to be with you. Like Kanani said, I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here. This amazing church. How many think this is an amazing church? You know what makes it amazing? You. You do. A church isn't buildings. It's you. This has been an amazing summer. If you enjoyed the the summer Ohana nights, anybody make sure they hung out there with us? Everybody. I mean, it was... It was crazy fun. We, get to, we got to meet some beautiful people. Maybe some of you just started coming because of that, so it's good to be with us at this amazing church. By the way, summer is coming to an end. For some of you, your kids go to school this week. Yay? <laughs> Yay? So I, I'm dying to know what your kids are thinking, though. Oh, no, it's over. What happened? You know, in, let's... uh. I was thinking as I was walking up here when Kanani was saying the summer is over, you know, I think it'd be appropriate to pray for the teachers who attend this church, who are now going back. You know, if you are a teacher or administrator or have anything to do with making a school run, would you do me a favor and stand up right now? Just stand up right to your feet right now. We honor you, because stay standing, stay standing, we're gonna pray for you, but you know, this is a vocation, this is a calling. These folks here put up every day, invest in your kid's life, our children's life, and we're honored to have you guys, some of the, and I I see the people standing right now, I want you to know, you might not know them, these are spectacular people, spectacular people. And Trish right there, Trish Donaldson, is about to start. She is now the principal. Oh, pardon? Bites principal. My bad. My, but back in the islands. So good to have you back, Trish. Starting a, a new, new journey here. Her husband will be here soon. Let's pray. I want you to just reach your hands out to these folks because they, they've got a big job to do this year. So Lord, we thank you. We, we honor them, Lord, because you called them into this vocation to train up our children, our future leaders, Lord. Our, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just invade their lives every day and that your Holy Spirit, they'd be a reflection of you in everything they do and say, Lord, I pray that this year, when they come to the end, at the end of this year, Lord, they say, wow, this was the best year ever. I pray a blessing and anointing on these folks. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, you guys. it is good to be with you tonight and we are done with at the movies that was so fun crazy fun i'm sure we'll be doing it bringing it back next year good night to be with us because we're starting a brand new series tonight and we've entitled this message i want to believe but i want to believe in god but and for the the next four weeks we're going to explore the subject Of doubt every one of us in this room every one of us from time to time experienced doubt we're wondering where is God in this what what's going on here even even doubt yourself sometimes because by the way when doubt consumes us and we allow that to creep into our lives it really distorts our view of God it clouds our vision of who God is and who we are so this is a very important subject I believe big-time by the way, every one of us in this room from time to time doubt. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our own abilities. In fact, for some of us, it might be minor, but others, it's major. We've allowed ourselves to think, oh, you know what? I would do that, but I can't. So we walk away, we shrink back. We've, we've allowed ourselves not to go places that I know God would call you to be, but we've shrunk back and allowed those opportunities to pass by, maybe it was a job promotion. Maybe it was going after something brand new in your life, and you just said, "No, I can't do that." So, you know what? D- doubt is that it can get into our in our lives big time, and it becomes confusing, and then it becomes fear. I was talking to my wife and my son the other day, and they came up with this this the way uh, acrostic of fear. Would you put that up there? Fear is evident. The wait a second. It should say false. We've got that wrong. Threw me off there. It should say false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. That's an amazing line. How many can relate to that about 3 o'clock in the morning when you get up, Woo! and all of a sudden, those kind of, all those... All those fears and all those insecurities come flooding in your mind. Anybody there with me? Yeah. I'm there, baby. I totally am. When we talk about fear, th- that's me. In fact, can I just tell you that I, I'm, I was excited when we talked about this series and, and Pastor Carl said, I, I would you kick it off because you're looking at somebody that is a professional at this. I lived there for a long time of doubt and worry. And fear. You're looking at somebody right here. I've felt it all. I, I know what you, I've walked in your shoes if you're, if you're there. So, you know what I mean? I, and I want to just say as we get through this series, it's going to be an amazing time. And you know, that's what we do. We, we think about God too. We, 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 we have doubts about God. Something happens. So in this series for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to answer questions like, I believe in God, but why do so many bad things happen? Anybody there? Anybody watch the news and you go, wow, if, if God's so loving, how, how in the world did this happen? Anybody ever feel that way? How about this one? I believe in God, but, you know, I go to church and I don't feel nothing. I can't see him. I can't feel him. Why should I believe in him? Anybody ever feel that way? How about this one? I believe in God, but what's with all the rules? I mean, like, what? I can't have premarital sex? I got a tithe? What's with that? And all of a sudden, those things kind of flood in our minds. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. And I think it's going to be an amazing time. Because, you know, when we think about, when we start having doubts about God, you know, we start thinking, is God real? Really? You ever read your Bible and right in the middle of reading your Bible, all of a sudden you're reading it. All of a sudden, this major doubt comes through your head. Anybody ever do that? Many of us, maybe all of us at some time. Is God really real? And if he is, can he really know me? Like there's 7 billion people on this planet, like he would know me? Like really? Sometimes we allow our minds to go there. Especially, you know, when I was growing up, and that was a little bit ago, you know, the earth had already cooled. Trust me on that one. The dinosaurs were already extinct. But a while ago, when I was growing up, God was in the culture. It was normal to pray and talk about God in public. Do you know back then and through all of centuries, all the laws that Congress and the Senate passed were filtered through the Bible? Do you know that? Most of the things that happened when I was growing up was always because of God. It was natural to talk about God in public, pray in public. God was written into movies and television shows. No problem. Fast forward to today. God's not even in the culture anymore. They have not just pushed God out. They have taken him completely out of the culture. And because of that, people start, you know, public opinion can sway people. And they're going, yeah, I don't know about that God thing. And it allows them to think crazy. Because now, you can, here in the state of Hawaii, you cannot mention God in any way. Not at a graduation, not praying, taking an oath. God's not in the culture. Not just here, but through America. And you can hear the voices on TV screaming. They would never write God into a television show or a movie production today at all. Because it's pit- politically incorrect. And people, maybe you or friends you know, are swayed by that. Are you hearing me? And some people say, God doesn't exist That's stupid. You ever heard that? I mean, you hear that all the time. People, I mean, they they come with a really, you know, radical view. Nah, you're crazy. You just use God for a crutch. Listen. This is a subject, this is, this, is a, this is a question that every single person on this planet has had to come to answer. And many of us have come to that answer. Because you only get one of two. One of two. Anybody see that new Kona beer commercial? The two big handsome Polynesian guys sit there and the, and the, guy, the lady brings the beer up and she, he goes, you only get one shot. Don't blow it. Anybody seen that commercial? You'll see it. (laughs) It's out. But here's the deal. You only get, get to this question about life. You only get two choices and you only can pick one. And this, when you decide this, it affects everything from then on. Because either you believe by some unexplicable luck that from nothing this amazing world was created. It has no purpose. But out of this crazy luck, this beautiful planet we live on, and all of its glory came to be. It evolved in it. It Took billions of years, but we evolved into that today. Or, or like most of us believe, there was a creator. There was a design. There was an architect that created this amazing world we live. You know how complex, those world we live in, it is so complex. I believe it takes way more faith to believe it just evolved than it does to believe that there's a creator and, a, and, a, and a, a beautiful design behind it. Do you know how complex this world is? I'm just giving you, I know most of you have come to that reconciliation in your mind and you believe it, but when you do believe this, it should change everything. Moving forward. But you know how complicated? You know how amazing God was when He created us? Do you know? This and I don't want to belabor, I don't want to be spending a lot of time on this one because I know most of us are there. But let me just tell you, just to give you some confidence, as you navigate the world you live in where people who think we're stupid for believing in God, let me just tell you. One of my closest, dearest friends is an optometrist, and he tells me all many. He tells me many optometrists are Christian because of God's amazing design. Do you realize you can look at this room right now? I'm looking at it right now, and I'm seeing. I'm reco- instantly recognizing faces and colors and shapes. And sometimes I'm looking at you, and I can feel emotion instantly. I can bring back memories instantly. You know that they still have no idea how that happens? Today, all this way, all the search, all the research, no one knows how that could happen. And who does know? The creator. He knows. He created us. A friend of mine who discipled my wife and I many years ago, he discipled us. He goes, if you can read, if you can believe in your heart, the very first verse of the Bible, if you believe in your heart, With all your heart. You know what it says? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He he told me, if you can believe that with all your heart, every word you read past that will jump off the page and make sense to you. But if you can't, it's just words on a paper. I just want you to know, I want to give you confidence and know that we worship and serve and believe in a God that's real and loving and caring. And so when doubt comes through your brain, go, Gosh, does God really exist? Yes, yes, He does. But I know that most of us have reconciled that question, and we believe that with all of our hearts. But still, people who grew up in the church, like me and you, through we go through life, and all of a sudden, pain comes our way, and things happen in our life, and we're like throwing back, and we're going, "Where are you, God? What the heck's going on?" And you think, "Wow, I don't know what's going on, Lord." And I just want you to know that I'm there too. I was working on staff. I'd been on staff for about five years. And my oldest brother, he was, at the time, he was 48 years old. He was 10 years older than I was. God took him. He had stomach cancer and he died. And I want you to know, when your sibling is 10 years older, and some of you might have an older sibling that you really looked up to, and you always wanted him to be proud of you. I always wanted my brother to be proud of me. In fact, everything I did was motivated. I played sports. No matter what I did, I wanted him to be proud of me. And one day when when I found out that he was dying, and, and he eventually did die, I was crushed. And maybe some of you have gone through those things, and people in your life, the Lord took too early. And for... You, like me, my faith was shaken. Like, wow, God, why would you, what, what, why would you do that to my family? Do you, don't you care? And I went through a really dark time of not believing that God was loving and caring. Doubts flooded my mind. It was, it was, it was crazy. I bet some of you might be, might be experiencing that right now. And you're wondering, what the heck? But I want you to know, you can't allow doubt to consume your thoughts. Because when it does, it it changes everything. I want, I want to read this for you. It says this. I, I wrote this, but I want to make sure I get it right. So when you get into that mindset, you start, you start rejecting the true God, the God of the Bible. And you start thinking of a distorted view. You reject God because you think, man, if that's really you, God, I don't know if I can believe in you. You start thinking of God, you start making up ways that he should have come through in our, in our finite minds. We go, gosh, God, why, why did you do that? And we go down that trail that is so unhealthy. Are you hearing me? But you know what? Some of us at coming out of that, we think, you know, doubt is the opposite of faith. We start thinking that. Wow, we start feeling guilty as can be. We're feeling that way. And we're thinking, wow, doubt i must not believe that is far from the truth having doubt has nothing to do with disbelief when you walk when you allow faith to take you completely away from god completely away and you turn your back on god that's disbelief and some of us think when we have doubt it's unforgivable like that's a sin and god god won't forgive us for that can i just tell you that is completely wrong too if you ever if you ever settled in that camp by the way, if you just look at the, in the Bible, you think of Job and David. Man, those guys were all the time. If you read the Psalms and Job, they were always going, God, where are you? Why? Trust me, God can handle it. Because sometimes, you know what? We have questions all the time. And, and God can handle our questions. Are you hearing me? So you, if you ever start feeling guilty about, oh, I'm feeling doubt about God, do not camp there. That's not a healthy place. I love what it says in Mark 9. It says this. And this, is, this, is a, this is a great story of about a dad whose son, the word says, was possessed. He was having seizures. And, he, and the dad had been hearing about God and all that he had been doing and healing people. And all of a sudden he realizes that Jesus was coming to his town. And all he could do is, I want to get to Jesus. I want to get to Jesus. I want him to heal my son. And he goes, he finds Jesus, and he goes up to him, and he says this. He said, he was desperate. He goes, Jesus, would you heal my son if you can? And here's what Jesus says in in verse 23. What do you mean if I can, Jesus said? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Anybody been there? Amen. Amen. That's true. All of us from time to time struggle to find meaning when we start lacking faith. I mean, it, it, it I'm going to just tell you that it really affected me another time in my life. As a part of my past life here on staff, I was responsible for getting us onto this campus, onto this land, and it took a long time. And I was intimately involved in that. You know, we had hired the architects. We had built plans. We were starting getting permits. In fact, we were well underway. We were, we, were, we were cruising. And we had met with the mayor and other people. And they said, you've you got no problem. You've got no problems. We're gonna, this is going to sail through. And one day, one day, the mayor, Mayor Fossey at the time, if you've been around long enough, remember Mayor Fossey? He, he called us into his office. And so a couple of us went into his office we were thinking, this is the final day. We're, we're, we're going to set sail right today. We are your fork going down there. We couldn't wait for this meeting. We thought, Okay, we're here. Praise God. Because we had gone through some ups and downs, and we go to the meeting, and Mayor Fossey, as blunt as he could be, and he was a very blunt leader. You can, he said, "Rob, you can build anything you want on that campus. You just can't drive in that neighborhood the way you're planning on. And literally my heart sunk. Because what he just said is you can build anything, but you can't get to it. So after three years of a congregation praying, raising money, dreaming, in that split second, our this property was closed to the way it was supposed to get, we were supposed to get up there. And I want you to know, I went into deep, deep doubt. Where are you, God? What is going on here? I was—I can't tell you, I was paralyzed by fear because I didn't even know, how could you do this to us, God? Maybe you've been there too. Maybe there's something in your life that was just so crazy went bad that you're thinking, oh, my gosh, and doubt came in because it really did cloud my thinking. I was thinking, what did I do? What did I personally do to offend you, God, that you do this to me and to this congregation, or what did the congregation do that we would do this? What was, why? And fear, doubt just came in and really settled there. Anybody with me on that? Because when you get there, you've got to get your, man, we, we really want the prayer. But now let's fast forward to today. Maybe in your life. See, fear, false evidence appearing real. So look at, what we, got, look at look what we have today. That amazing driveway to get up here. And we don't have to bother the neighbors. We don't have to drive to the neighborhood and, and, and interrupt their life. We have freedom. But see, at the time, we, we couldn't see that. And we allowed doubt to really shake the core of who we were. But God came through amazingly. Are you hearing me? Because you know what? God really does love us. There's three things I want you to write down that when doubt comes in, when doubt wants to overtake you, when those feelings get in there, there's three things I want you to go right to. And these are the three things that I go to every single time. Super important that you know these. The first one is this God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. You have to get your, you have to realize that. The word is clear on that. I, let, me, let me tell you this way. If you're a parent, there's two things I absolutely know about you. Number one is, I know you love your children. I know you love them dearly and nothing can change that. There are times you don't like them. Sometimes you might want to trade them in. You might even want to knock them in the next week, but I know you wouldn't. But I can tell you one thing. You always love them. The other thing is, I can tell you about you is you don't always give them what they want, even though you have the power to do it. You don't always give them what they want, because I know you have the power to it. Look at school's about to start off. Anybody here have fights about homework with your kids? Hello. Well, it was in my house. And, you know, when we'd help them with their homework, and all of a sudden they'd come at like 10 o'clock at night. And they go, Dad, I need you to help me with your homework. At 10 o'clock at night when your kid says, you got to help me with your homework, you know what he's really saying? I need you to do my homework. <laughs> and I, I remember one time I said, no way, man. Sucks to be you. <laughs> Sucks to be you. I'm not bailing you out, man. And he freaked, you know, like He freaked. I wasn't trying to punish him. I was trying to do something in him. Are you hearing me? That's for sure. Guess what? I promise you the homework's going to get done. And sometimes when God says no to us, or sometimes when you feel like, whoa, what's happening? You feel like God didn't answer your prayer. Because really that's, that's a big one for many of us in this room. Many of us in this room. We, we start doubting God because we prayed. We gave God, Lord, I need you to answer this prayer, and then we give him three suggestions on how that could happen, and none of them happen. And all of a sudden, you, go, you start giving doubt. Really, God? Are you real? Seriously? Why? Been there? Yeah, we have. But you know what? I want you to know God is always loving, God sees the big picture. We don't exist to serve God, God, exer- God exists for us to serve Him. God's the main character of the Bible, not us. And I find comfort in that, don't you? But the word says in Romans, the eighth chapter, some amazing verses. So when you're feeling like, where are you, God? I want you to make sure you go here. Put it in your phone. This is the this is place you gotta go in the middle of the night. When, and this is where I go. When doubt starts to really crowd it out and when it really starts to jump into my heart. Here's where I go it's in Romans, the 8th chapter. It says this, eight, starting in verse 35, it says, Can anything separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us when we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or a threat to die? Let me bring it to our world. Does God no longer love us when he doesn't answer our prayer or or we have financial problems, or we lose our jobs, or we've somebody, the doctor tells us that we have a medical problem, or when de- or depression overtakes us, does God stop loving us? I remember, again, having, you're looking at a, you know, a professional doubter in my past, and worrying and fear and all that comes in. Can I just tell you that about 2007, man, I want you to know. <laughs> 2000, in 2007, I finally got my brain around that. 2007, I had bought a furniture company. I worked full-time for the church, but I bought a furniture company from a friend. Not a wise idea. <laughs> Not my finest moment. Everything was awesome for a year, and all of a sudden, the, the turndown in the economy came, and I freaked out. Like, any. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I, some of us in this room have had panic attacks. And if you've ever had a panic attack, and I've, I had two of them at that period of time, trust me, it is crazy because you have absolutely no power to stop what is overtaking you. And it's the scariest thing in the world. When those moments happen, gang, when fear wants to overtake you, when, when doubt wants to consume you, here's what God says, Will he stop loving you? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. It goes on to say this, and I am convinced, Paul's saying this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the fear of today or the worries about tomorrow. Nothing, even the power of hell can separate us from God's love no power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that good news? Like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like freaking out in doubt, read that scripture. Like turn your phone on, go right to it. When you think, man, Lord, I ask you to answer that prayer. My, my, you know, maybe you're a teenager and your parents are, decided to get divorced and you were praying for your kids, I mean, your parents, and they got divorced and you're going, where are you, God? Maybe, maybe you're praying for your, your children and something happened to them and you're going, man, you must not love me, God. You didn't answer my prayer. Nope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Are you with me? And you have, to, you have to believe that with all your heart when you're in that point of panic in your life. Second thing, I want you to write this down. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. I want you to know, having been a pastor for over 30 years now, I'm um, just recently was asked, where's God? And he, this person was at a crisis of faith, and the things that were happening in his life, and he goes, "Give me an answer. Okay, none of us that are pastors can possibly answer for God. There are some things that we just couldn't possibly know why they happened." Sad. I mean, in this church, in the last two years, some of our dearest friends have lost children. They're teenagers, at the prime of their life. They lost those people, and of course we had to we ministered them. And of course the questions are always, why God? I don't know, but I take comfort in knowing this. And this is in the verse. Read, write this verse down, in Isaiah fifty-five. It says, "My my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts," says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than anything you could think of. I take comfort in that. I take comfort in knowing that when I don't have an answer, I know God does. And I need you to know you got to plant yourself. This is an absolute key verse in my life. When, when things happen, you know, there's things in your life that's happened. I mean, in this last couple of years, a couple of the families that I love dearly, their children were born and died. There's nothing sadder than that. But I, I want you to know that they, they found comfort in God. They found comfort in knowing, look at God, I trust in you. I know you have it. Because our ways are not his ways. Are you hearing me? And lastly, I want you to write this one down. Super important. That God's presence is always enough. And I want to camp here for a little while. God's presence are, is always enough. Some of us, you know, we're, because of doubt and insecurity in our lives, we kind of keep God, I call it complacent Christianity. We kind of keep God at an arm's distance. We're not fully in. You know, we kind of come to church every once in a while. and We pray and sometimes we, you know, we're, we take God serious and other times we don't. It's kind of, we kind of keep God at an arm's distance. That's no place to be. That's no place to be. In a world that's trying to shut God out, not trying, has shut God out. God needs us, his children, to reflect him. And let me just tell you, here's where I want you to be. I want you to pursue God's presence. Pursue it. I want you to be so deeply in love with Jesus that there isn't anyone that doesn't know you love him. Because when doubt comes in, it's gonna go away as fast as it did because you know that God loves you intensely. And this is, this is important. You've got to hear me on this. When you pursue God with all your heart, you're going to experience the nature and character of God like never before. When you're in the Word, that Word will come alive when you pursue Him. Are you hearing me? This is where I want you to really, really press in to God. God. Because I want you to know, God's going to reveal himself to you in amazing ways. I love what King David, King David, some of you are thinking, King David, he had it made. He killed Goliath, got the king's daughter. I mean, the guy, you're probably thinking, he he had it made. He had it easy. David was, was just cruising. No. No one cried out to God more than he did. No one did. Just read the Psalms. Lord, why have you allowed my enemies to overtake me? Why have you allowed this? Are you really there, God? That was David. But then he came to a place of of really pursuing God. And he wrote these amazing words in Psalm 23. You can hear the intimacy in his voice. his intimacy towards God. It says this, even though I walk, through the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me and he writes this David writes this in Psalm 16 it says you have made known to me the path of my life that means that means he was so intimate with God he clearly was hearing God's direction in his life aren't we all wanting to be there in your presence there is a fullness of joy at your right hand are the pleasures forever i just want you to know that when you pursue god with all your heart and you allow all the distractions to go away and you you just you believe god with every fiber of your being, being things are going to happen in your life like never before god will become alive Don't allow yourself to keep God at an arm's distance. When doubt floods your mind and wants to overtake you, don't let it. Know that God's always loving, that God's ways are always higher than your ways, and God's presence is always going to be with you no matter what. You can bank on that. There's nothing more, and in our own lives too. Can I just camp out here for a little while too? in our own personal lives, in the way we approach life, we sometimes allow doubt in ourselves to really afflict us. God, God's desire is for you. In, Psalm, in, in Ephesians 3, it says that God wants to accomplish infinitely more than you can ever dare, dream, ask, or hope. Let me say that. In Ephesians, Paul tells us that for each one of us in this room, God wants to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare, dream, ask, or hope. But doubt and insecurity and fear, that dream part, we stop dreaming. And we settle. We don't go for we don't go for broke. We don't go for that 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 next promotion. We don't go for we don't seek that relationship. That friendship. We don't take that trip. We don't pursue that hobby, because we shrink back and go, oh, "I can't do that." Uh, no, I can't. And we're never going to experience all that God has for us, the fullness of God if we allow doubt to overcome us, we allow insecurity to, to grab us, and we allow fear to control us. Are you hearing me? One last point. John 10:10 says this: "The thief has come to kill, steal and destroy." Who's the thief? Satan. God's come that we have life and life abundantly. I promise you this. Hear me. Because in my world, I know many of us in this room deal with doubt regularly. And the enemy will always want to feed that doubt. Like I said, if, I, I remember re- reading the Bible not too long ago. And I was reading in the Old Testament in my reading. And, I, and it was talking about the wars and all that. And, I, and all of a sudden, this thought came racing through out of nowhere, out of nowhere. That's not true. You know that, right? Like, whoa. Like, crazy doubts come in. When, when you're reading the word, I know none of, of you have had that problem. <laughs> yeah, we have. Because the enemy wants to feed that every time. He wants you to shrink back. He wants you to have a doubt. Because his ultimate goal is for you to not pursue God, but to turn your back on God. Are you hearing me? So for the next four weeks, we're going to camp out here in doubt. Because I know in the the church, some of us have been Christians a long time, and I know doubt can still be an issue that sometimes affects us. It affects our walk and clouds our judgment and clouds our view of God. Are you with me on that? So, I want you to know when doubt comes in, remember these three things God is always loving. And if it happens, you know, and you're really getting consumed, you got to go to these scriptures. You got to go to Romans 8. And when something happens that you can't possibly explain, maybe a friend comes to you and goes, How could your God do this? Go to Isaiah 55. You know what? God's ways are strong, bigger than ours. And then when you, I want you to know, when you want to pursue God, pursue him deeply with all your heart. Are you hearing me? Pursue him with all your heart. Don't get ripped off. Don't let the enemy rob you from the joy of being with God passionately. Let's pray. So, Lord, I just pray for this amazing congregation, Lord. Our desire, our, the core of every, almost everyone in this room I know is to serve you with all of our hearts to love you dearly, to pursue you every moment, Lord. So I I pray for this congregation and I bind any attack from the enemy that he might throw at us as we pursue you with every bit of who we are, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that for anyone in this room where doubt seems to have taken them and consumed them, Lord, allowed them to not be all that they know they could be and should be and would be. Lord, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name that you, Lord, you would break them free from that doubt, from that fear, from that confusion they might be feeling, Lord. I pray that you touch them right now in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for anyone in this room that doesn't even know you. You might have come in this room and you were on that side of, well, anybody that believes in God's stupid. And all of a sudden, God's been speaking tonight and you're going, whoa, God is real. And God is real. And I want, you to, I want to pray for you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come in your life, or maybe you've walked away. And you want to come back. And, and I want to pray for you right now. And in a couple of seconds, I want, I'm going to pray. And I want, I want you to hitchhike off my words. But before we do that, I want you to raise your hand and let me know when I count the three. So if that's you and you'd like me to pray with you tonight to allow Jesus to come and be in your life. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. I see you. And I see you, too. I see you. Awesome. Raise your hand. I see you. I see you back there. If you're out in the courtyard right now, I know there's a lot of people in the courtyard. Somebody sees you out there. Pray with me, would you? So Lord, for all these folks that raise their hand tonight, Lord, they're, they're asking you to come into their heart right now. I pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit, your promised Holy Spirit in their heart right now, Lord, and that you'd forgive them of their sins. Lord, reveal yourself to them today, right now, Lord. Reveal yourself to them. And I pray, Lord, that the person who drove up this driving tonight, and the person who drives back down tonight tonight as well is a different person because of what you're going to do in their life, Lord. I pray that you'd reveal themselves. Lord, I actually pray that they'd feel your embrace right now, that you'd speak to them, Lord, as they search search for you, Lord, as they seek, seek you, that they would find you, Lord. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.